that. We'll start with the, the low-hanging fruit, the, the, the Derby Club dinner, which was <laughs> widely lampooned earlier in the week. Uh, well, this is an example of campaigning journalism uh, to full effect, Dave Ord, because the Derby Club have, have decided unanimously, according to their committee, to admit women members and female guests. The pennies might even sword after all, isn't it, Nick? It, 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 the news has broken <laughs> less, less than a week that, that, that female, uh, that women have allowed into whether they want to go to the Derby Club is another the matter, but they will be permitted to attend. I mean, it, it was a story on the, the front page of the Racing Post as an exclusive, and it, it sparked. It made the debate. front page again today, it, it's and the, we're oh, leading with it. The, oh, I haven't seen so, the front. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it, it, it isn't a great look, is it? In in the modern times, have an all male. Club. Although you explained to me that the way it isn't somebody sending out an invite list to people, it's not no, something. It's not a guest list. Yeah, it's, it's not so an individual. The members invite a couple of guests each. That's the way. It, that's the way it operates. But I so if if you're going to open it up, which in 2022 seems a very sensible idea, if you're going to open it up to all genders, then you need all genders represented all the way down the the institution. But it is a private institution, so in, in some ways it's an academic conversation. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, yes, we'd need to be more inclusive in all this stuff, but um, sometimes that can be uh, difficult when it's, like you say, when it's a, a members-only a members thing, you know, it's, that, that's, that's been the hard part of this. I thought the interesting bit of the story was the fact that the story got written by Pete Scargill in the Racing Post, and immediately action has been, has been taken. So there's clearly a feeling amongst some people quite high up in the sport who were attendees of this year's Derby Club dinner that actually it would be quite a good idea to change this. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and that's what's happened. They've changed it, you know, so, you know, brilliant. There Let's we are. Forward. There we are. Put, put it simply, I think it was a good idea that it got changed. It <laughs> needed to change it quickly. Right. We, we don't need the full two minutes, yeah, yeah. which is a, a great rarity on, on this show. So Bell's gone. We can move on to, to Huey Morrison, uh, who this week was pretty cross that his objections to um, a ride in the Bronte Cup, where his horse was interfered with, did not get the, the jockey concerned a ban for dangerous riding. Uh, he, cont he and, and uh, other trainers contested that this was a, a dangerous ride, but the BHA thought otherwise. Just explain what happened here, Dave. Yeah, it, it, this is a finish at York. And, I mean, it picked up an eight-day ban winning rider um, for this, and you can see the interference taking place. It's, it's quite a pr pr prestigious race. You see the, the horse is hanging, comes across here, and the, the horses in behind have interfered with. The jockey's given an eight-day ban, but the result's allowed to stand. Um, now, th the appeal was that this should have been deemed to be a uh, dangerous riding. Uh, he hadn't made enough uh, yeah. attempts to correct the horse, to straighten the horse. So Huey Morrison's horse is the chestnut with a white face. Yeah. That's urban artist. The winning rider is Ray Dawson on Believe in Love. Yes. And Ray Dawson got an eight-day eight ban. Now, they went to the BHA saying that was dangerous riding. It need, but the, the appeals committee said it, they couldn't prove that because it sets a very high bar. Dangerous riding is a very high bar to mm. prove. Now, that raises a point in itself, doesn't it? it was that dangerous riding? For well, you, um, well, for me, me watching it, it's, it's, he's, he's doing his, he looks like he's doing his best to correct the horse, but the horse is drifting, drifting, drifting. And like I say, for me to call that dangerous riding, it's not. It's not like he's come across somebody um, and, you know, he's got, he's got his eight-day ban and he's got to, got to live with that now. Well, he has come across someone, it's a question. I suppose, I suppose the, the, the definition of dangerous has to be sort of wanton... Yes, that's that's the that's the argument, isn't it? Is how do we define that? You know, what is what is that look like? You know what I mean? And that, and that for me, that what didn't look like dangerous riding. What, what, what I where I would where I would agree with Huey Morrison is that examples like that are not rare. No, a, and lives are at stake. Yes, oh, absolutely. And uh, you watch it. And you, 
he had the whip in the right. He was hanging into the whip rather than away from it. You often look at that. Always got the John every kind has got the whip. In, but you do see examples like that all the time. It's such a dangerous profession, race riding. It's dangerous enough without incidents like that. Sheen Murphy, who we saw in your documentary earlier on, he's somebody. It's very hard to keep out of the spotlight, even when he's on a 14-month ban. He'll be working for Sky Sports Racing this week at Ascot. Um, no doubt that his insight will be a great asset. But Jack Keane, writing in the Sun, Nathan. Um, Wondered whether this was a good idea, wondered what message it would be sending out to um, fellow riders and said he was setting himself up potentially for a bigger fall from grace, given that he talked so much about the issues that he'd that he'd had. What's your take on it? Well, I mean, for me, it's, um, you know, people deal with things differently, don't they? You know, and, and what O'Sheen's trying to do, I suppose, is is give himself something to, to, to do while he's been off, uh, you know, but he's serving his ban. Um, I know he's been doing a lot of charity work and all that sort of stuff, but he wants he wants to be part of the part of the show, you know, uh, you know, next week. And and obviously Sky have um, approached him and, and and made use of him. And um, whether that's a a good idea or a bad idea, I can't, you know, I, I don't have no, I don't know what to, what to say about that. But um, it's what he wants to do. And um, if he feels as though it's a good idea, and it helps him through this whole process that he's got to go through, because I'm sure it's not been not been easy, and he's been, you know. Slated left, right, and centre, hasn't he? You know, he's 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 one of our leading riders, and uh, you know he needs to uh, make sure that the decisions he's making are the best for him, really. Well, the decisions he was making were clearly not good decisions beforehand, which no. is why he's found himself in this position, and he's not objecting to being in this position, Dave, because he accepts the the punishments that he that he's had to take. But it's a question of whether this is the right message, I suppose, to send out, isn't it? It is. It's a difficult one, isn't it? I think his team have clearly decided Royal Ascot was a point in which he could mm. be reintroduced. for the BBC interview in the same week yeah. as the announcement was going on. Sky Sports Racing. O'Sheen obviously feels himself he's in a place now to step forward. He's going to be under the spotlight. In the modern social age, if O'Sheen, you can't go anywhere without it being picked up on Twitter or social media, etc. But we've dealt with him. He was our columnist for two years. It was an absolute delight. He's got brilliant insight into the big races. He's potentially going to be a great addition to the coverage. But yeah, it, it, it's an interesting one. Ryan Moore, um, I'm sure will be many people's idea of a, a jockey who could be the leading rider at Royal Ascot. A more interesting point was raised by Richie Forrestal, the Irish editor of the Racing Post, when he suggested that Moore was a good bet at big odds to be champion jockey in Ireland this year, Dave. Now, do you think this is a, a realistic and achievable aim? Indeed, is it an aim, do you suppose? I don't think it would be an aim. No, I don't no, think no Ryan we're not knowing him. No, no, no in Ryan, but I think it's a really interesting angle. We, we've seen Aidan O'Brien be champion flat trainer in Britain before. Willie Mullins, a couple of times, has come quite close to being champion trainer in Britain. So to see going on the other foot, a British-based jockey or a British jockey over in Ireland, this has come off the back of Aidan O'Brien has made a much quicker start to the season than normal. He's had lots of early winners. The two-year-olds have started rolling and Ryan's riding lots of winners. And elsewhere, the winners have been shared round a bit more. It's usually Colin Keane and you're usually seeing somebody at the leaderboard. And Ryan finds himself in a position now where it, it is feasible that he could launch a challenge. Now, whether Ryan Moore wants to go to Dundalk on a Friday evening to ride four in, a pretend, in handicaps to, to keep it interesting later on in the season, I'd be very surprised. And he tends to have demands on his time and talents through the autumn that other jockeys might not have. But, yeah, it's fantastic to see him going so well. And I thought his ride on Tuesday in the Oaks got eclipsed by Frankie in the analysis into the Emily Upjohn passage to the race. It just, that was an example of Ryan right now. He's riding at the top of his game. I thought he gave a, a superb ride to win the Oaks. Uh, Nathan, do you think it's something that would interest him particularly? No. Not even if he got close to it. He might think, well, actually, that's quite a, <laughs> that's quite a cool thing to do. Knowing Ryan... No, no. <laughs> I don't think he's interested in being champion jockey. He's, he's in know, England he's, or he, Ireland. In, in England or Ireland, that it's such a 
and we've seen this with O'Sheen, you know, and 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 other jockeys, you know, it's it's painful to 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 do these championships because of the amount of travelling, the amount of riding they have to do, and um, that's not on Ryan's um, radar. I don't think he he just wants to win the biggest races in the world, and and that's what he's that's what he's currently doing. Yeah, and he'll be hoping that he can ride a few of the world's biggest races this week and win them for chiefly for for Aidan O'Brien, but. It, it, it's a it's an unusual look to the O'Brien Ascot squad, isn't it? And it's very sort of bottom heavy. It's very very two year old heavy. They are doing a lot of lifting for Bally Doyle this they, week. They really are, aren't they? We've rattled through the declarations for the Tuesday that they're headline acts and that there's not a Bally Doyle. Well, there's Order of Australia, isn't there? Uh, in the what Queen price Anne? will he be in the Queen Anne? Would twenty twenty five? Yeah, know, I, yeah, I mean that's the. There's nothing in the King's Stand, the St James's Palace, they haven't got a leading contender. Your Prince of Wales estates, there's nothing obvious coming through. The, the Platinum Jubilee, there's nothing obvious. And you, you're looking now and think, oh, Well, good. you bet your bottom dog there'll be a few rabbits out of the hat. There will be a few rabbits out. <laughs> the staying events, I think, in particular, they've Kipri got Kipri Os. Os, and they've got some nice horses, three year olds, mm. in the staying races as well. But this two year old division, they look so strong this year. I don't know, it, I mean, you've got a horse like Alfred Munnings of Dubawi, who looks like he, he should be appearing in September over seven furlongs. Mm. He's already, he's already looked a machine, he's the Derby favourite and you think he'll take a bit of stopping in the Chesham Stakes and that's the exciting thing for the Ballard Oil team this year. It's these two yards have looked so good in Ireland, they've got experience into them as well. Two or three have had two or three runs, they're arriving a little bit more battle-hardened some of these and I, I, you're right, it's a very bottom-heavy team but you can bet your bottom dollar you won't be going on empty-handed next week. Can I, I have a word for the Chesham Stakes, formerly the poor relation of Ascot two-year-old races, is now the kind of um, the great signal of the week for the delights to come for the rest of the season and next year Coolmore and Godolphin between them have suddenly turned this into a into a sexy race again that tweaks helped hasn't it where the qualification used to be through the sire and the dam can now yeah. qualify you for you but it is it, that tends to be you're looking for a longer term prospect you're looking for the I know Andrew Balding did um a preview and was saying he really likes the foxes and he said he thinks it'll take a very very good horse to beat him well I think there might be some very very good horses in there against you I think it's as you say it's just grown in prominence throughout recent years to be for me the two-year-old race of the week the one thing you can you can bet is that Aidan O'Brien won't be fri frightened of wheeling a few horses back uh, to run at Royal Ascot and, and he's not alone it looks as though John Gosling might run Emily up, John, and we could have the Derby runner-up wheeling back as well. Who Yamalu goes under the hammer at Goss London Sale tomorrow. Uh, just switching codes quickly. Um, uh, Willie Mullins has retired two of his, his stable stars, and not just any old horses. A dual Gold Cup hero in Album Photo, who's run two perfectly creditable races in defeat in the race as well. And Mellon, who was second at four Cheltenham festivals, including in a brace of champion hurdles. I guess such is the strength in depth, Nathan, that an announcement like get, like this gets made and everyone goes... Yeah, I mean, God, yeah. I mean, what, what a stable they're, he's got. They've been it's, great horses for the Donnellys, haven't they? They have, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, that 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 vast amount of uh, depth of, uh, you know, the amount of horses he's got, I mean, it's, it's amazing, really. And, you know, it's um, we'd all dream of having, having a yard like that, wouldn't we? Um, just on a, on a point of, of jumpers, you know, this week there was a, a big sale in Ireland and American interests buying up some, some serious young bloodstock stores uh, the the growth of american jump racing again yeah i mean that, that's exciting because it, it was you know when i was uh, getting getting into the sport into the 90s you know it was it was quite big you know and uh, you know i traveled over there early on and uh, and experienced some of the jump racing over there and then it, it, it did start dwindling you know in 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 the 2000s and it's nice to see that um, some money being pumped back into the sales mm. i mean you go to the sales nowadays it's it's just full of international uh, 
you know, international people and, you know, that is a worry as well because sometimes they come over here, buy everything and then take it elsewhere. And that's another argument, isn't it, for us to, to, to discuss really is, you know, the amount of horses that, that leave our shores to go on mm. to other bigger things. But, you know, it's great to see these, these horses anyway. You see jumps horses going for the prices that Tattersall's but one prices, aren't you? The point to point with going for 500 star horses. For two hundred thousand, it's a completely different game, and that's obviously what's happening at Mullins at Close Sutton. The next, the next generation are coming through. Albumfeld on Mellon, if they were being trained, no disrespect in England, I can't believe for a second that the trainer will be arguing it's time to hang up stumps. And I mean, he was what was he? We ran well in the Gold Cup this year. Just ran in fans. Mellon's a Grade One horse who's capable of winning Grade Two, Grade Threes whenever they want. It's, I was surprised to see them both go. And when when the time finally comes that, that Willie Mullins decides he doesn't want to train racehorses anymore, I don't suppose that will ever come, but <laughs> if, if it ever does, um, I, you can look back on getting album photo. And no disrespect to the horse, but getting two Gold Cup wins out of him, that's one hell of an achievement. Let's end on a on a, a big high, and just take stock, Dave. And I, you're very closely associated with the race course of what York did yesterday uh, on Macmillan Charity Day and indeed what they have done raising money for Macmillan over the last few years. It's fantastic, isn't it? As you say, it's a long-standing fixture. It took place again on Saturday. There was a Macmillan Charity race uh, that, that opened the card and over 500,000, nearly 500,000 pounds was raised yesterday alone mm-hmm. for such a phenomenal charity. And it, the thing is, the, the on-course bookmakers donated profits from the charity race. Everybody was contributing to this and, and it's... We, we focus on things that go wrong in the sport, the negative news angles, etc. And things like this can sometimes go under the radar. But it, that's, that's a huge sum of money. £500,000 to be going to such an important charity from a race day is just fantastic. It's congratulations to William James and the team at York and everybody who's contributed to being a success over the years. And long may it continue. It, it's great that racing can make such a positive contribution to such a worthwhile cause. Well, we're talking about leadership, you know, there's no better man than William Darby, who's doing, you know, he's, he's leading that team up there at York. I mean, they're just a, a pleasure to deal with, aren't they? With anything, whether it's sponsorship, filming or, you know, just put, putting on a race meeting. I mean, you know, that's what we should be doing rather than, it, you know, rather than all these walls that we have to get over and get round. And, you know, William Darby. Do you always... find that massively varies from race course to race course? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, 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 they're all different, aren't they? You, you know yourself, Dave, you know, when you're dealing with certain race courses, some are better than others. You know, mm. York have always been very open to new ideas and, and, and leaders in, in all this stuff that we're trying to push forward. Yeah, certainly. And I don't think this has changed, judging from what I can see. Um, my time at Channel 4, getting cameras into racecourse stables, weighing rooms. It, it's not straightforward. It's not, it it's not. not. It's really hard, but, um, you know, luckily we've got some, you know, some great people in this sport that do uh, help, you know, see the vision of what we're all trying to do. And, uh, and like you say, we're trying to promote the sport to a wider audience. Absolutely. Um, for the moment, those were this week's Talking Points.